remain standing for our scripture. It comes this morning from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. It's good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas season and you've gotten the new year off to a great start. This morning we're going to be beginning a new sermon series that should get us to the next six weeks or so, uh, right up to the beginning of Lent, which it's a little, um, well, overwhelming to think that Lent is only six weeks away, but whatever. All right. In this series, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the passages of Scripture that tell us about the light and about the darkness and about the work of God through His Son, Jesus. If you think about it, there are so many different passages of Scripture that tell us to pursue light or that tell us to place ourselves in the presence of light, which we know is the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, and seeking Him out as we choose to seek places of darkness behind in order to live more fully into the presence of God and his light in our lives. And so this morning I want to begin by um, thinking about something else. Uh, Well, not something else. It goes with the sermon. Um, But Addison wanted one of these a few years ago. Do you remember? Do you still have your flip-a-zoo? Yeah, you do? I guess I should have gone and looked. Um, So a few years ago there was this stuffed animal that Addison really wanted for Christmas. And I got to thinking, like, how did she even realize it? Because she was much younger. But I forgot that they had a really catchy infomercial that they would put on TV. And it was this flip-a-zoo and all these kids. And and the thing about this stuffed animal is you flipped it inside out. And on one side, like on the top there, it was a whale. And then on the inside of the whale was like the lion. So you got two stuffed animals in one. And so uh, you would turn it inside out, and what this animal did is it had two different faces or views depending on what side you wanted. Addison also got this like smaller set of stuffed animals. You know, they were only about this big, uh, and they weren't stuffed animals now that I'm talking. They were plastic, but you could also flip them in and out, and I think she had a case of them that maybe was like 20 or 24, and so it was kind of neat that Christmas, especially the 24 of them, watching her go through the whole case and flipping them back and forth because she got more than 24 animals. She got 48 animals, right? And so it was kind of neat seeing what was on the, the inside compared to what was on the outside and vice versa. But if you think about it, these toys, I think, are a pretty decent visual or an image for us to get to thinking about the transfiguration and what we're talking about in this morning's passage of Scripture. 
Because this morning we've read from Matthew chapter 17. It falls almost in the middle of Matthew to the, to the exact point. If you think about it, up to this point, Jesus has conducted miracles. He has performed healings. He's called the disciples. He's fed the multitudes. He's done all of these different things in his ministry. And much of his ministry, while public, he has been telling his disciples, don't go tell people more about this, hasn't he? I mean, that's even today's scripture, Jesus, after the transfiguration. It says that Peter, James, and John witnessed this amazing event, and Jesus tells them what? He says, when we go down the mountain, don't say anything about this to anyone else, including the other disciples, until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So Jesus is saying, file this away for a time when it's going to be important for you to be able to share this to others, but not quite yet. And so up to this point, his ministry has been public, but it's not fully revealed to the world who he truly is. And so there's been snippets, there's been miracles, there have been healings, there have been other things that have occurred, but there has not yet been a full-fledged revealing of who Jesus is and of who Jesus was and who he is really going to be until today's scripture reading, The Transfiguration. And so in our scripture today, it's six days after Jesus has told the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and raised to life. And so six days after Jesus has had the disciples gathered around him and he's told them, get ready, this is going to happen. Six days later, Jesus gathers the inner circle of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to go to a high mountain by themselves. Now where the mountain is isn't necessarily important. There's you know, three different mountains in Israel that people think it could have been. There's one that's probably the most common one, which you know, there's a shrine and other things up there. But Matthew writes to us the most important part. And it says, there on the mountain, so there on that place, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. While he was still speaking, a bright, light, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Then Jesus tells the disciples, Don't tell anyone what you have seen, and tell the Son of Man until I have been raised from the dead. I think it's easy for us when we read about the transfiguration, and when we think about the transfiguration, to focus on the response of the disciples. Because they experience something that is, you know, extraordinary. It's something that you and I could never imagine. It's something where I think we're able to also connect with the humanity of the disciples. Because we often focus on the, the Peter's insistence where Peter says, you know, Lord, what's happened here is amazing. Let's build some shelters. Let's build some tents. Let's build something so that the three of us, so that um, we can stay up here and, and you can be up here with Moses and Elijah and you and you can each have your shelter and you all can, can be up here and we can remember this. Peter just wants to commemorate the glory of what he's just seen, of what has just happened. And so I think it's easy for us to focus on, on Peter not always getting it because we smile and we think, you know, if I'd have seen that, I'd have felt the same way. Or I'd have fallen on the, my face and not wanted to look up, which the disciples also did. Because I think it's easy for us to see and to connect with the idea of how God's glory is so great that it can overwhelm us. I think it's easy for us to look at Peter 
And to see where Jesus says, no, no, you know, that's not what we're going to do. And to think, well, that's us. And while I think that Jesus' response to Peter is important, I think what's more important for us today is to think about a couple of other things that happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. The first is that Moses and Elijah appeared there with Jesus. These are two of the greatest prophets. If you look in the, the history of Israel and of the Jewish faith, Moses, for the way that, that he led the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of their slavery and their captivity. Moses is in the red robe on the picture. You can see him. He's holding the burning. Wait, no. Time out. That's not Moses. Moses is on the blue to my right. He's holding the Ten Commandments. He's led the people of Israel out of their, their captivity and their slavery. He's delivered the Ten Commandments. He has uh, represented them before God, and he has led them to the Promised Land. We remember Moses for the direct line that he had with God as he speaks to God, as he prays to God, and as he even had the opportunity, unlike so many others, to see, the pre- see God himself as Moses um, you know, hid in the niche of a rock on the mountain and God walked by him and put his hand over him and then allowed Moses to look and see his, his glory as he walked away. Israel was looking for a new Moses. If you read in the Old Testament prophets, they are looking for someone to be a new Moses who is going to deliver them from sin, who is going to deliver them from their captivity, and who is going to renew and restore their relationship with God. Israel's waiting for Moses. I think the same can be said for Elijah. Elijah is the other prophet who's in the red because he's holding the flames in 1 Kings, Elijah has been chosen by God, if you remember, to uh, confront the northern kingdom of Israel and the kings of northern Israel as they have split off from the southern kingdom of Judah after King Solomon has died. The northern kingdom has strayed further and further from the worship of God as they began worshiping other gods, they began pursuing other faiths. And so God sent a series of prophets with the most notable one being Elijah to go to the northern kingdom and their kings. The king that Elijah confronts is the king Ahab. His wife is Jezebel. And we remember them in the way that Elijah represented God before Ahab by performing many miracles, with the most dramatic being his challenge of the prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel. When Elijah said, take two bulls and build two altars, you sacrifice to yours first, and then I'll sacrifice to God. You know, and, and we remember and just uh, the, the priests of Baal spend all day trying to get Baal to, to take this sacrifice, to take this altar, to consume it with fire. And as they're doing so, Elisha's building an altar. Elijah sacrifices the bull. Elijah has them put three jarfuls of water all over the altar and everything else. And then he calls down from God, fire from heaven, which is why he's holding fire. And not just the bull was consumed, but the stones and everything else around it. When the offering from God was destroyed, the people of the northern kingdom reoriented their faith and began worshiping God again for a time. But from then on, the people of Israel looked for the one who would return them back, who would return them, who would bring them back to God in their worship. And so they anticipated the return of Elijah because of what he had done for the northern kingdom, because of the way that he ascended into heaven on the chariot of fire, and because that they believed God would send someone back to them to restore their relationship with him. 
So Jesus appears with Moses and Elijah. Why? Because these are both men that the people of Israel are looking for and they're anticipating and they're preparing for. And God is showing us that Jesus takes the place of both of them and fully brings what both of them were anticipated and expected to bring to the people of Israel. I believe God brought them, Moses and Elijah, to the place of transfiguration. And God allowed Peter, James, and John, and then us, to see that Jesus is the new Moses. He's the new Elijah that is arriving. And so Matthew 17, verse 6 through 8 tells us this. It says, when the disciples heard this or saw what was happening, they fell face down to the ground terrified, but Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked around, they saw no one else except Jesus. So there's Moses and Elijah and Jesus. The disciples hear the voice of God. They witness Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. They fall to the ground terrified. When they look up again, it's only Jesus standing there before them. Moses and Elijah have disappeared so that the focus of Peter, James, and John and the focus on us and of all those who would come behind would be only on Jesus, right? No longer were they to anticipate and look for the prophet Elijah to return. No longer were they to expect for Moses to come back because they had Jesus. Jesus who is more than enough in offering us relationship and who offering us salvation and who is God himself. They no longer needed to look for Moses and Elijah. They just needed to look for Jesus. So the second thing I think that that we can take from this passage of Scripture is that in the transfiguration, God shows us that Jesus is not just godly, but Jesus shows us, or God shows us that Jesus is God Himself. Because the full glory of God in the transfiguration was revealed in Jesus. It wasn't just a partial light reflecting off of Jesus that that gives us an idea of who he was. It was not just a glimmer of who he was or a glimpse of who God was like we saw and and like we think about when, when Moses was able to see God on the mountain. What is put on full display and in full measure on the Mount of Transfiguration was the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And because of that, the disciples who were later becoming the greatest mouthpieces of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Peter and James and John, and then we can throw in Paul, but he didn't really see it. But they were able to see that without a doubt, Jesus was God, weren't they? And I know this isn't a perfect comparison, but when Jesus was turned inside out and his full glory was revealed... His inward self shows us that He's God. That He's not just a man who lived a moral life that we can imitate and aspire to. He was not just a man who experienced temptation and then sinned. The transfiguration shows us that Jesus is God, which means He's sinless, which means He's perfect, which means He's loving, but it means He's God Himself. And so our words to explain him are honestly inadequate. 
Because we can't fully articulate, we can't fully understand, and we can't fully encompass His glory. Because the glory of Jesus is the glory of God that shines fully into your life and in my life. And it's the glory that you and I can reflect by the life we live, by the faith we profess, and by the way we choose to follow Him. Because Jesus is God. And in Jesus we receive the full measure of His life and of His light. And for that we can be thankful. Amen.